You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon, and on this edition, we're going to be looking ahead to Arsenal's trip to Turf Moor. Arsenal take on Burnley in the Premier League this coming Saturday. It's a real opportunity for Arsenal to build on the victory over Norwich City and uh It's a real opportunity for Arsenal to start to put a little bit of a run together and hopefully relieve some of that pressure on Mikel Arteta. Hope you are all well. Apologies. I haven't been on for a couple of days. Um, For those of you who don't follow me on social media, my wife gave birth to my daughter uh, on, was it? I don't know what, what that sound was. It's a tired sound. Uh, or I don't know if I was meant to say uh, or or, and it just came out like, oh, but anyway, uh, yeah, my wife gave birth uh, to our daughter early hours of Wednesday morning. So it's been a crazy couple of days. It really, really has. And look, I wanted to take some time off and chill out just to kind of get going with everything, get everything into a bit more of a routine. But of course, we've got a big game coming up at the weekend. And so for me to ignore that game, not do the preview show, I feel like I'd be doing you guys a disservice, those of you that enjoy them, of course. So uh, yeah, thought we'd do it. And uh, here we are. Um, I've had loads of messages from some of you guys on Twitter. I can see loads of you putting congratulations in the comments. I just want to say a massive thank you to all of you. Honestly, it means uh, it means the world to us to see how many people have, have sort of congratulated us on on the birth of the little one. And I'm truly overwhelmed by it. Honestly, it's been fantastic. Um, and, and, and to be honest, I didn't see it coming this week. You know, the baby arrived a good three, maybe four weeks earlier than planned. So I wasn't expecting it. Uh, like every other kind of evening, I finished work on Tuesday, went into the house, sat down, had my dinner, waited for the little one to go to bed around about half past seven, switched on BT Sport, put my feet up, cracked open a nice cold drink, watched the Champions League. And actually, funnily enough, I didn't have a great deal of work booked for Wednesday morning. So I was in this kind of weird place where I was like, well, the Champions League's finished. And normally I'd I'd kind of be looking at the clock and I'd go, well, I probably should start slowly getting ready to hit the sack because I've got a big day coming up tomorrow. And um, and then I, I was flicking through and, and you know, I, I knew that I didn't have a lot on the next morning and I put a film on and I ended up getting sucked into the film. And before I knew it, it was 1 a.m., 1 a.m., 1.30 a.m., whatever it was. And I went to bed and literally within 20 minutes, I was woken up to tell me that the the pains had started and the baby was on the way. So shut up into the car, down to the hospital. And within a couple of hours, the baby was with us. So yeah, um, it's been it's been a crazy last 48 hours or so, but I wouldn't change it for the world. For those of you who've experienced it, you know, you will know it is the, the best feeling in the world. For those of you who haven't or will go on to experience it, I just want to say that you won't realize 
how amazing it is until it actually happens because people can talk to you about it and try and prepare you for it. But until it actually happens, you don't really know um, what the deal is. And of course, uh, as lots of you have been asking me in the DMs over the last couple of days, mother and baby are doing fine, both home now, home in time for the trip to Turf Moor. There you go. <laughs> right. Let's uh, get into the game then. Let's talk a little bit uh, about what's to come this weekend. We'll talk about um, Carl Hines' new long-term contract with the club. And I'll also be taking some of your thoughts and questions in the live chat towards the back end of the show. Uh, let's kick off with that news that Carl uh, Hines has a... Uh, has, uh, Carl Hines, not like the baked beans, Carl Hines. That's my bad. And as I said, I'm not running on much sleep at the moment. I'm running on excitement and adrenaline. Probably slept for a grand total of about two hours last night. Um, so if there's any slips of the tongue, if I get things wrong, if I'm a little bit more positive than I should be going into a game against Burnley, uh, then please do forgive me. But I am literally on cloud nine and this is probably the podcast I've prepared for the least in all my time of podcasting. So uh, bear with me on this one. But let's kick off with the news uh, that Carl Hine has signed a new long-term contract with the club. The 19-year-old who made his non-competitive first-team debut in July during that pre-season match at Hibernian uh, was also a member of the first-team match they squad six times in the Europa League last season. He's a full Estonia international and has now made 10 appearances for his country goalkeeper joined us from a scholarship uh, on a scholarship contract from Estonia club Nom United in July 2018 where he conceded just 12 goals in 20 appearances at under 17 level and now he has signed on the dotted line everyone at the club congratulates Carl on his new contract and look forward to his continued development with us in the coming years so that Carl Hein is someone that you would have seen um sort of in and around the team over the last kind of 12 months or so. I mentioned those appearances in the Europa League match day squads. We talk about that game um, against Hibernian where he was obviously in between the sticks. He made an appearance there for the first team. And this is someone that I've, I'm not going to say I didn't notice him before because I knew he was there and I was kind of keeping half an eye on what was going on in the youth teams, etc., etc. But Carl Hein is someone who's really kind of, jumped in terms of or jumped up the queue, jumped up the hierarchy in terms of me looking at Arsenal's goalkeepers in the last few months. Why? Because we saw him appear in preseason, because we saw him picked um, in a couple of those preseason games, you know, and, and when people were talking about a conquo a lot, Hein actually came to the forefront for me a little bit. And look, the fact he's played for Estonia, He's playing at international level. And I know it's Estonia. With all due respect to them, they're not the most um, powerful team in terms of international football. They're not got the biggest pool of talent to select from. But you got to say, for Carl Hine to be playing for them regularly um, and for Arsenal to have handed him a new contract, there's obviously been positive signs. So uh, I'm quite pleased about that news. I've got to say, I know a lot of people are a bit indifferent about it, probably because they haven't seen all that much of Carl Hine and they're not really sure what to expect from him and what it is that he's going to bring um, to the team. So, look, good news. Carl Hine signs long-term contract. And I guess it's one of those where I'm happy about it, but I don't want to spend too long talking about what may or may not happen. We're going to see if Carl Hine can cut it. We're going to see if he can step up. Obviously, the club feel he can. And as I say, somebody that's been on my radar for a little while now 
And uh, fingers crossed he can make that step up because it's not always easy. You know, we talk a lot about players in academy and reserve and Premier League 2 football, under 23 football, whatever they call it now, bloody days, um, and and showing potential and, and showing what great prospects they are. But they don't always make that step up. So it's, it's no by no means guaranteed that Carl Hines is going to go on and become Arsenal's number one, for example, in the future. But obviously the club have seen something there uh, that's made them feel that it's worthwhile offering Carl Hine a new contract extension. It's a long-term deal, although on the club's announcement via Arsenal.com, they do not specify exactly how long that deal is or any of the details as you'd expect. Let's say uh, a few hellos in the live chat. Look, the chat box is flooded with congratulations. And, and listen, honestly, like I know we're here to talk about football and I know a lot of you probably thinking, stop talking about it now, just talk about the bloody football. But honestly, it's so incredible to know that there are so many good people you know watching this show listening to this show following me on social media because so many of you have been in touch honestly I haven't even been able to keep up with it I think my Instagram DMs are like overloaded I can't I haven't even gone through them because I just haven't had a chance yet like it's all been so crazy so hectic we came home late last night um had a bit of a difficult night obviously first night and uh, when I picked up my son this morning, so now we've got two of them, double trouble. And this is where uh, I guess the challenge begins. But yeah, thank you all so much again, because I'm probably going to say it two, three times during this show, because there are so many of you commenting it in the chat. And honestly, uh, thank you all. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, Bungles, love this one. He says, uh, following in big Mark Poom's footsteps. Mark Poom, what a goalkeeper, Estonia's finest. What a player. Spent a, a bit of time at Arsenal, of course, Mark Poom. Didn't get an awful lot of game time, though. Um, but I remember him largely. And I'm just going to... Shall I Google this just to make sure that I'm not just spouting absolute nonsense? But when I think of Mark Poom, I don't think of Arsenal. I think of Derby County. Am I, yeah, 1997 to 2003 was at Derby County. Spent some time at Sunderland, at Watford, at Arsenal, Portsmouth. But yeah, Mark Poom, uh, what a keeper, what a man. Right, uh, let's go back to the chat before we move on. I want to say a massive thank you to Saeed Abdullah for your very, very kind super chat donation, mate. Honestly, uh, thank you so, so much. means the world to me. He says, good afternoon, Harry. May your precious newborn baby bring joy and happiness to you. I'm so happy for you too. Congratulations on the new baby. Thank you so much, Saeed. And I promise you that donation will go towards buying something for the baby so thank you so so much mate really really appreciate your kindness as always right let's start looking ahead then to this clash between Arsenal and Burnley and I guess there's no better place to start than Mikel Arteta's press conference now Mikel Arteta's press conference produced a couple of what's the word out there quotes I guess um which seem out there if you just read them quoted on social media but if you actually watch or listen to the entire press conference you'll understand the context in which they were said and actually I thought it was a pretty cool press conference from Mikel Arteta I gotta be honest obviously the the naysayers will, will pass it off as more Arteta propaganda more Arteta PR whatever they want to call it but I actually thought it was a quite a an interesting uh, press conference and the bit specifically that a lot of people have kind of latched onto. Um, it was with regards to Mikel Arteta kind of talking about the positive future uh, that he believes this club have. Uh, and he said uh, the following, he said, 
when asked about how difficult the start to the season was that life brings you things and you cannot decide it. There are certain things you cannot control. What is coming to you is coming for a reason. Sometimes we don't want to see it, but it's coming for a reason and it's probably for the right reason. Then it's about how you take it and how you respond to that. The way that everyone around me responded is the way that I responded. That's why it's been fine. It's tough because it hurts because you want to see something different. But what you want is not always what happens. Things happen for a reason. And maybe what is happening had to happen. And maybe it's going to be really good for the club and really good for myself and everybody experiencing that situation. We have to believe that. He then went on to talk about a decision that he made during his playing career um, where he wanted to stay um, near his parents and he stayed with Real Sociedad and he had a really difficult time um, and that didn't really work out. But that that obviously contributed to kind of shaping him as a man and as a player and, and contributed to the success he went on to have as a player. The, the big bit and the, the line that a lot of people have kind of latched onto off the back of this press conference is around his positivity with regards to the team, the direction of travel in which this team is headed and how we're developing. He said, I can really see the light. I'm telling you, I'm very positive most of the time. I've seen the light and I can see bright lights. There can be bumps in the road within that light, but I see a lot of light. So Mikel Arteta, again, kind of talking up the project, if you want to take it that way. Mikel Arteta talking about looking at things from a positive perspective. And listen, look, it, it, it all means nothing if Arsenal don't produce, if Arsenal don't perform, if the um, you know if the improvement is not there. But I do agree with his outlook. I do think you need to be positive. I do think you need to find ways of taking the unfortunate events in your life or unfortunate circumstances that you may find yourself in from time to time and making the best out of it. And, you know, sometimes it's stuff out of your control and you can't control it and you can't you know, make the best of it. But what you can do is is learn from it, develop from it. And I think that's the point that Mikel Arteta is trying to make here. So he's still talking big uh, about the project. He's still talking about the positive uh, sides of it. And now I guess it's, it's kind of judgment time, isn't it, in terms of this season and in terms of delivering uh, at least the minimum standard, which for me is, is, a, is a top six finish um, so that he can you know, buy himself essentially more time as he continues to try and take this team forward. But anything less than that, then the knives are going to be out. And and I guess rightly so. So I don't really want to go too much through the press conference uh, because there kind of wasn't all that much that stood out. Injury news, um, Rob Holding is unavailable, which we knew. Um, but other than that, you know, there's there's question marks over Thomas Partey. Is he going to be fit enough to start? Mikel Arteta didn't really want to be drawn on that. He he said that we have to manage his workload at the moment, so we're going to have to wait and see whether he plays a part on Saturday. I think it's important he does. Uh, but again, you know, that is one that's going to be left to the last minute. He was asked a lot about the goalkeeping situation. Of course, Bern Leno was left out of the Premier League side that faced Norwich last weekend. And off the back of that, there was a ton of speculation around how he reacted to that decision. In fact, there was even a report that came out that that said that Mikel Arteta had promised Bern Leno he was going to play in, in certain games, um, which is crazy, you know, because when Mikel Arteta was, was asked about it, he very much shut that down, didn't he? He said, um, you know, he said, how do these guys know? Well, not word for word, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said, 
it's incredible that these guys know my team before I even know it, as in he hasn't made a decision. Um, it's incredible. It's incredible um, to hear him shut that down because the meltdown that had been on Twitter in the lead up to that press conference around what was going to happen with Burnley, you know, whether he should come straight back in the team, whether Aaron Ramsdale should maintain his place. It was, it was just so over the top, as is a lot of stuff when it comes to the Arsenal Twitter sphere. But good to see Mikel Arteta shutting that down. And he, he made a, a really great point about how he can't be giving guarantees to players because that then almost contradicts this philosophy and this ethos whereby players are pushing each other all the time. The best man will play. And if he plays well, he'll retain his place until he does otherwise or until the other goalkeeper in this instance proves that he's worthy of taking over that position. So it's absolutely right what Mikel says. In order to drive excellence, in order to try and get the maximum out of your team, you can't be making promises to a goalkeeper uh, of, along the lines of, well, you're going to play in this game, that game and that game because you don't know how their form's going to go. And that's why you should pick your team on merit from week to week. So, yeah, um, agreed with all of that from Mikel Arteta. There was uh, a question about Jack Wilshire as well. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Jack Wilshire. Obviously, he wants to return to the club for training. Mikel was asked about it and he said, look, we're, we're currently talking with Jack Wilshire. So he confirmed that those discussions have taken place. He said in order to understand and find out what it is that he needs and how we can potentially help him. There was a follow on question which said something along the lines of, well, will Jack, is there a chance of seeing Jack back in an Arsenal shirt? And Mikel Arteta said, let's not go that far. He didn't say it was impossible, but he said, let's not go that far, which suggests that at least for the time being, the club don't even want to indicate that that is in their thinking. And I think that's right. You know, we had a good long conversation, um, you know, about, about Jack Wilshire the other day, whether it would be a good thing, whether it would be a bad thing, what he could bring to the team if he did come, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I still, when I think about it, if I take the nostalgia out of it, then I lean towards the, you shouldn't bring him backside because I feel like we need to move on and we need to develop and we need to, um, you know, move forward. And, um, and going back to players that have, you know, I'm not going to say let us down because Jack didn't let us down, but players who have not been able to necessarily make the grade because in Jack's case of fitness issues, I just feel like that would be another a big gamble. Yes, it wouldn't be big money. Yes, it would be maybe pay as you play. Yes, it would be short term. But I just feel like the resources we do have need to be spent on improving this squad moving forward. And if Jack Wilshire was to be signed, it would be a very short-term solution and one that I don't see kind of pushing us forward as a team overall. So take the nostalgia out of it, then I probably wouldn't do it. But I am a bit nostalgic. I can get a bit like that at times, as can all football fans. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with that for sure. Uh, lots more congratulations in the chat, guys. Thank you all so much. Uh, Lenny says... Uh, Congrats on your daughter, bruv. Is that what happens when we're not in Europe? Good luck to you and the missus. Yeah, I guess so. I've got I've got nothing to do on Thursday night, so I had to find something to occupy myself. <laughs> there we go. Uh, right, let's um, let's continue looking ahead to this game between Burnley and Arsenal. Let's have a look at some of the historical statistics in the Premier League between these two teams. Now, over the last couple of days, as I've mentioned, I've I've been in hospitals. I've been 
driving back and forward from hospitals. I've been doing all of that stuff. And I've had a lot of time, actually, probably more than usual while traveling, while kind of in transit to listen to podcasts, to listen to radio. And I was listening to TalkSport on the way home from the hospital really late last night. Actually, it wasn't that late. It was probably about nine o'clock. I was listening to TalkSport and I think it was Hugh Woosencroft who was hosting the show. And I think it was with Darren Lewis, um, the journalist, and Cameron Jerome he used to play for Stoke City and Birmingham City, if you remember, if it was him. I heard Cameron. I heard him talk about Stoke. I'm assuming it was him. Um, and uh, he was talking about Arsenal and, and Arsenal came up as part of the conversation. That was kind of their feature. And he started going on about he started going on about how this is the worst possible game that Mikel Arteta would want right now. That going away to Burnley is the worst possible game Arsenal could face. And I'm sitting there and I'm driving and I'm thinking, are you for real, man? Are you for real? Yes, Burnley are an awkward team. Yes, Burnley bring a different challenge to a lot of other teams that you'll face in this division. And it's a challenge you need to be prepared for. And it's a game that you can't go into with any lack of commitment, because if you do, they'll punish you. They'll work you hard. They'll bully you. They play, in my opinion, and Burnley fans won't like this, right on the peripheries, right up on the limits of what is acceptable and what isn't acceptable in terms of the way they physically impose themselves. Just going back to that comment about this being the worst possible game for Mikel Arteta, it is absolutely not. I'd rather go to Burnley than Chelsea, than Liverpool, than Man United, than Tottenham, than probably Everton, than City, than, you know, all of the big traditional six, than Villa, then, you know, there's so many teams that I would rather play, that that I would prefer to play Burnley over them. And this just was a strange, bizarre comment for me. And it's this kind of narrative, you know, we've heard it over the years and at times it's been proven to be true. You know, Arsenal have got a soft centre. We hear it all the time. They get bullied. They can't physically impose themselves on games. We've heard that for years and years and years. And at times it's been true. But Burnley are not an example of a side that have caused us problems. And here is why. Burnley and Arsenal have met 14 times in the Premier League. Burnley have won just once. Just once. That's it. Arsenal have won 10 of the 14. Six of those victories came at home and four of them came at Turf Moor. And there have been three draws between the two clubs. If you look at the recent form between Arsenal and Burnley, yes, Burnley won at Emirates Stadium last season. So did pretty much everybody uh, based on the way we were playing. Uh, So that was their win. And that was their win away from home. So that was their first win against Arsenal in the Premier League. So up until that point, they'd never beaten us, which basically puts that thing of Arsenal struggle every time they go to Burnley in the bin. Get it in the bin. It's a terrible theory. It's not backed up by any fact, as you can see. And it's one that we need to just forget about. So for me, there aren't any excuses. You know, when we played Chelsea and when we played Man City earlier on in the season, I was sitting there going, You know, these are really, really difficult games. And these are the kind of games that if you get anything from them, they're a bonus. I've heard some Arsenal fans saying that if we beat Tottenham, 
in the North London derby, but we pick up a point at Burnley, that would be acceptable. For me, it's not. For me, it's not because of the way we started the season. We're catching up now. We need to try and make up ground. And a game like Burnley, I don't care how they play the game. I don't care if they're physical. I don't play, care if it's Deitch ball, whatever you want to call it, is a game for me that if you aspire to qualify for Europe, you need to be taking three points from, or you need to be at least aiming to take three points from. And when I come on to talk about the team I would pick, I'm going to talk a little bit about how I would approach this game. Because I think in years gone by, although the results haven't gone in Burnley's favour, we've kind of sometimes played in a way that has suited them and enabled them, if you like. So I'm quite keen to discuss uh, how I would approach this game. Uh, but before we do that, let's uh, run through the team that I want to see Mikel Arteta pick. I want to see Aaron Ramsdale stay in goal. Now, Again, it's been a big talking point over the course of the week. We don't know that Aaron Ramsdale is going to stay in goal, but I would like him to be the one that takes up the position in between the sticks. Why? For a number of reasons. First of all, if you don't do anything wrong, I don't think you should be dropped. I think he did OK against Norwich. I don't think that he was outstanding, but I don't think he was tested to show what he can do. Obviously, we prefer he wasn't tested because it means we've defended better. But I thought he was pretty solid, much more commanding of his penalty area than Bern Leno. I thought his distribution was a lot better as well. And so for me, Aaron Ramsdale should keep his place in between the sticks. Likewise, another player who made his Premier League debut for Arsenal uh, last Saturday, Takahiro Tomiyasu, he should also stay in the side at right. But I thought he was one of Arsenal's standout players against Norwich for the time he was on the pitch. He got forward regularly and supported Nicolas Pepe in that slightly inside channel. He also bombed on on the outside when he needed to. He tucked in as part of a back three when Arsenal pushed forward. Um, Burnley are a side who you know are going to knock the ball long, who are going to try and, and you know, have that physical upper hand. That's the way Burnley close the gap between themselves and some of the teams with superior quality by being physical, by playing in a very specific and direct way. They're almost like a modern-day Wimbledon, if you remember Wimbledon, if you're as old as me. So I think Tomiyasu, you know, he should be the right-back anyway, but I think this is a game where, you know, we could really benefit from him uh, playing there. I want to see Ben White at the heart of the defence alongside Gabriel. I want to see those two start to form a partnership, and I want to see Kieran Tierney, of course, at left-back. Now, moving into the midfield, there's been, as I mentioned already, talk around whether or not uh, Thomas Partey is going to be fit enough to start this one. Listen, it's a really, really difficult thing to gauge as a supporter looking from the outside in because we have absolutely no idea how fit Thomas Partey is. We have absolutely no idea whether putting him into the side to face Burnley is a massive gamble or if it, or, or if he is indeed ready. You know, Mikel Arteta didn't really want to give away too much in the press conference. But if he is fit, there's no doubt in my mind that Thomas Partey has to play. If he doesn't, then I think you go probably with Ainsley Maitland-Niles again, given Mohamed on any's out, given that Granit Xhaka remains suspended. Um, so I guess Ainsley Maitland-Niles would be the man alongside Lakonga in the event that Partey isn't fit enough to start. But if he is, I want to see him in that double midfield pivot. I'm going to stick with Martin Odegaard in the number 10 role. And I'm going to explain my reasons why in just a bit. I'm going with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang through the middle at centre forward. I want to see Nicolas Pepe. Oops, 
spelled completely and utterly wrong. I want to see Nicolas Pepe operating from the left, uh, from the right hand side, and I want to stick with Bukayo Saka on the left. So let me explain to you some of the reasons for some of these particular selections. So you know why I've gone with the back four. I believe that in the back four more than anywhere else is important to have continuity to build relationships to develop uh, as a group and I think that Arsenal um, will look at this now and feel that this is the back four for a number of years to come now if they can stay fit and so yeah I would be uh, looking to to keep as much as I say continuity there moving into the midfield if Partey isn't fit enough then you play anti-metlinals I don't think you can really seriously risk Thomas Partey. If you play him, you've got to be quite confident that he can get through this game and it's going to be a physical game, as we've already mentioned. But if he is available, I've partnered him up with uh, Lokonga. Odegaard in the number 10 position for me because he is capable of unlocking a defence with a brilliant pass. I've talked countless times about how much I think he links up with Aubameyang really well. I think he spots Aubameyang's movement sometimes before anybody else. Set him on his bike a few times in that game against Norwich City. And I think that Martin Odegaard is going to be a real key part of this team throughout this season. But what I also love about Martin Odegaard is his willingness to press from the front. His willingness to, um, you know, to to kind of work for the team and, and almost set the tempo in that particular area for the rest of the midfield in order to push up and, and press alongside him. So I think he's important to the way we want to play. Uh, I've gone with Saka from the left. I don't think Saka's been that great lately, but I just think Saka, thinking back to his performance at Burnley last season, is a player that can really, really cause them problems. So I've left him in the team. Although if you wanted to put Emil Smith-Rowe in there, I'd have no objections and I wouldn't say that that's a, a bad decision. I think either or in that position, uh, position. On the right, I've gone with Nicolas Pepe. And again, I talked about it post-Norwich. A lot of people critical of Nicolas Pepe's performance felt he should have added a couple of goals, etc., etc. But Nicolas Pepe, whatever you think about him, whatever you, your opinion is, whatever you think about the £72 million spent to acquire him, he makes things happen. He causes havoc in and around people's penalty areas. And he's one of big Arsenal's biggest goal threats. He's also a confidence player. He's also someone that needs to feel the love of the manager. Probably didn't feel that when Mikel Arteta first came in, but he's won him over by working really hard and producing outputs. So uh, I expect Pepe to continue from the right-hand side. And therefore, that, just Maitland-Niles in, uh, Maitland-Niles out and Partey in, sorry, uh, it would be my only difference from the Norwich game. That, that, ladies and gentlemen, is the team that I would pick for Burnley away. So just run through that one more time. Ramsdale, Tommy Asu, White, Gabriel, Tierney, Lakonga, Partey, Odegaard, Saka, Pepe, Aubameyang. Right. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about how we should approach this because it's it's a bit of a strange one, this, because... I think when you played against Norwich, you knew what you were going to get from Norwich. Okay, you knew that Norwich were going to try and play the ball out from the back. That is what they do. And I thought Arsenal were very aggressive in their press, squeezed Norwich into their half and backed themselves to kind of keep the game in that in that one half of the field and and it back their ability as footballers to then break down Norwich City off the back of that. Now, this is a very, very different challenge. I don't think Burnley will allow you to press them as high up the pitch. I want to see Arsenal squeeze up. I want to see Arsenal's defence squeeze up to the halfway line because I don't particularly fear Burnley when it comes to pace. So I want to see the teams 
squeeze right up and really pin them back. And the press has to be aggressive. But I think what the, the two key players here for me are going to be Gabriel and White. And I think Tommy Asu probably has a part to play in this as well. Those three guys are going to get aerially bombarded and they're going to need to win their duels because you know what Burnley are like. They love the hustle and bustle. They love the, you know, that side of the game. You're going to see probably Chris Wood up top, um, maybe alongside Barnes or, or um, the other guy's name always goes out of my head, played for Watford. Oh my God, what is his name? That is bloody terrible. Um, hold on. Let me Google it because it's going to piss me off. Uh, Burnley Strikers. No, that's not who I want. Vidra, Vidra, that's it. Vidra. Thought of it before the page even loaded. There you go. Um, so, you know, there's lots of um, there's lots of physical players and you know what Burnley are going to do. And I expect that if Arsenal do try and squeeze Burnley up the pitch and they do press from the front with Aubameyang, Saka, Odegaard, Pepe, Burnley aren't going to do what Norwich did and say, well, we're going to try and beat your press, thinking that if we do, we're in here. Burnley won't give a shit. Sean Dyche won't give a shit. Burnley will just launch it long. It, they will just literally launch it long. And therefore, you'll be in a situation where Gabriel White and Tomiyasu have to be dominant and have to prevent Burnley winning those initial headers and then getting players up close to the strikers off the back of that. There won't be ticky-tacker from Burnley trying to play around your press. As I say, they'll play long balls up towards their big front men and they'll look to get midfield runners in and around them to try and feed off the scraps and, and get the team up the pitch. So um, I think those guys are really going to have a test, a different test to the test they faced against Norwich, but a test nonetheless um, and one that's going to uh, really let us see how they are physically. I don't have any issues with Gabriel when it comes to aerial duels and physically. I think he's really good in that sense. I think Takahiro Tomiyasu, looking at the stats um, associated with him prior to him even signing for Arsenal, was obviously somebody very, um, very well known for winning aerial duels. So you, in theory, he should be okay. Obviously, Ben White didn't show his... Um, he didn't show himself to be particularly strong in aerial situations against Brentford earlier in the season, who did exactly what I said, ping balls up to their front two and Buemo and, um, and Ivan Tony and look to get midfield runners up in and around them and feeding off of the, the scraps from that. So I think that Burnley's approach will be quite similar. And, um, you know, again, when you play with two centre forwards, that changes things. It means that both your centre halves are occupied. And so I think it's going to be important. Tommy Asu tucks in and helps out so that Gabriel and White are not both occupied by strikers all of the time. So, yeah, you know, I think it's going to be interesting. I think it's, as I say, it's going to be a very different challenge, but it's a game that Arsenal still by rights, in my opinion, should be winning. I want to see Arsenal take three points. I want to see Arsenal then go on and take three points from the North London derby. And if that happens, then all of a sudden the Premier League table looks very, very different. And the level of optimism around the club this season can rise once again. In terms of a prediction, I'm going to go for a 1-0 to the Arsenal. That's my prediction, the famous old scoreline. I went for the, the trusty 1-0 against Norwich and we got it. No, did I go 1-0 or did I go 2-0? I definitely said we could get away, we could scrape it 1-0, but I think my final prediction was 2-0, so I'm not going to give myself credit for that. But 
I'm going to go with the famous old 1-0 to the Arsenal for this one. So that's my prediction. Get yours in the chat box and get your questions in the chat box for the last few minutes. Now, we'll be back a little bit later on with another live stream. I'll be joined by the coach, as he's known, the brilliant Mike McDonald, who wrote a fantastic piece on what it is that Mikel Arteta is trying to do uh, at Arsenal Football Club. And uh, I read it yesterday when I was hanging around in the hospital. I thought it was fantastic. And so I've invited Mike on uh, to talk to you guys about it. So that'll be coming your way at 4.30pm UK time. And it'll be available to download shortly after that in podcast format. Right. Uh, drop me a couple of questions in the live chat and I'll pick up one or two uh, before I jump off. Because as you can imagine, I am shattered. Hardly any sleep buzzing about the baby but my god it is hard work and especially when you've got a toddler who's going through one of those well I think he's going to go through one of those I'm super jealous phases um he's already wants to be involved in everything and he's getting on my nerves a little bit so it's going to be uh, it's going to be difficult um again thank you for all your kind wishes in the chat box a big thank you uh to Ekene he says boy or girl girl so I've got one of each now which is fantastic hopefully that'll be it now no more no more <laughs> questions. Here we go. Um, John Daly says, out of the next three games, what one are you going to? Um, I'm not going to Burnley. I thought about going to Burnley, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to stay home and watch it on the television. So I'm not going to Burnley. I'm going to Spurs and I'm going to Wimbledon. Um, all the home games, I'm definitely there. The away ones, it's, it's touch and go, but all the home games. I will certainly be there for sure. Uh, Steve Stone uh, says, is it your turn to change the nappy? Do you know what? I haven't changed one yet. I don't know. There's something for me that when I, when it was my son, I kind of knew what I was dealing with when I pulled the nappy down and, and it was easier for me. And I, I had a look at uh, my missus doing it yesterday and I, I yeah, I think I'm going to avoid that for as long as I possibly can. Uh <laughs> Alex Akundi says, would Saliba be better in the air than White? Uh, possibly, you know, he's a bigger figure. I wonder if um, if he would be more effective in the air. But obviously, Mikel Arteta wanted a centre-half who could play alongside Gabriel, who is a little bit different in terms of his attributes and, and those attributes being his ability to play out from the back. I thought Ben White, although he wasn't extremely busy, uh, against Norwich City. I thought there were a couple of occasions in which he read the game really well. And there were also uh, a couple of occasions where uh, he showed incredible calmness in and around our own penalty area, uh, which was fantastic. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm going to pick one more question uh, before we go. Uh, Niasha says, do you think signing Tommy Asu will have a negative impact on Pepe? I think Pepe needs an overlapping fullback for him not to face 1v2 situations. Uh, possibly, possibly. I, I think that's a very valid point and it's something that's crossed my mind. You know, the overlapping right back does mean that Nicolas Pepe can see that player taking away one of the defenders and giving him more space to cut inside. I do get that. And in theory and by logic, it makes perfect sense. I just guess for me, um, you know, we've always seen this though from Mikel Arteta. We've always seen him prefer a right back that doesn't overlap or if they do overlap, they don't do it as frequently as, as the left back or they take it in turns because I've said this time and time again, I feel like Arsenal under Mikel Arteta are a little bit lopsided in the way that they approach the game. And that is to try and give us a greater defensive balance. Um, 
does Nicolas Pepe suffer from that a little bit? Probably. But I still think Nicolas Pepe's got the ability to beat players, to jink inside people and to create space for himself. So I do think it probably has an impact. Not sure how big that impact is, though, uh, if I'm being totally honest. Right. I think we are going to leave it there because, as I say, I'm absolutely shattered um, that we've got over 200 of you watching right now, but there's only 55 likes on the board. So please do uh, hit that like button if you haven't done so already. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the channel if you're new. If you'd like to go one further by supporting me and becoming a member, you can do so by clicking the join button below if you're watching on your computer or you can click the link on the description if you're listening via the audio or watching us via your mobile phone. Uh, all the support is much appreciated. Thank you again for all your kind wishes, congratulations, etc., etc. You can probably tell by my voice, I am cream crackered, but really wanted to get a Burnley preview out. And of course, we'll be bringing you reaction to that match tomorrow, uh, followed by, of course, the tactical analysis show dropping on Sunday. So lots and lots of content to come back to our normal schedule. And don't forget to join myself and Mike McDonald a little bit later on today. I'll catch you all soon. Take care. Until next time. Ciao for now. Goodbye. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.